Thank you, thank you for leading us in Easter worship, everybody. Awesome. All right. Bless you guys. Thank you. Well, if you have a Bible, in fact, open with me. Um, in fact, open with me to Luke 23, and I'll get there in just a couple minutes here. I want to open with two scriptures. You know, one of the great things about the Easter story, the resurrection story, is there's so many messages all throughout here, but I want to get to, to one that by the end of this last week that I kind of zeroed in on. But I want to read Acts chapter 1, verse 3. Acts 1, 3. Acts is written by Luke, uh, one of the apostles, and he says this, this word, to whom he, talking about Jesus, also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Now, we know today Jesus sits at the right hand of God. He's taken his place on the throne. Isn't it, here's the king that we serve. He had every right to go and be on the throne and allow those apostles to take care, but he kept showing himself to them. Many infallible proofs. You know, Revelation chapter 13 Eight, the last part just says this, that the Lamb, talking about Jesus, was slain before the foundations of the world. That it was already in God's plan. It was already known that Adam and Eve would fall. And so the Lamb already, this is about Jesus, had to have been slain so that this world system, these people, could have new life. It was already in the heart of God. So, Lord, we stop today on Easter Sunday. We have so many things to stop and to bless your name today, but we thank you for the Holy Spirit that's our teacher. Lord, I pray these scriptures today become alive in us and that we see a God that is forever knocking on the doors of our heart, calling us by name. And we bless you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You know, those of you that have kids know when you tell stories that are kind of years old, they roll their eyes. Oh, do you have to tell that story? Can you just forget that story? Well, on Easter, I always remember uh, this story, and it was my daughter's seventh birthday. And when we sat down, as kids do today, you know, I remember growing up, I think I only had one birthday party. I think that's all you got when you were a kid growing up. Now kids have parties every year, right? It's a big party every year. So I remember asking Madison, Madison, what do you want to, what theme do you want for your birthday party? And she knew it right off the top of her head. She says, I want a hermit crab birthday party. I thought, what is that? Right? You're not allowed to watch SpongeBob. <laughs> That's what, it wasn't the hermit crab in there. Hermit crab, well, explain a little bit what you want to do. Well, I want to invite some friends over and I want to go to McDonald's and then from McDonald's go to the mall and everybody picks out a hermit crab and gets to take it home. And I said, honey, let me just let you know something. Parents don't send their kids to birthday parties to come home with pets, right? That's like, that's, a, that's what she wanted to do. So we limited the amount of friends. We went to McDonald's and every kid went and they picked out a hermit crab and every parent looked at me like I was, you know, thanks a lot, you know. And they went home with the hermit crab. I was telling her, you can't pet a hermit crab, right? You can't snuggle up at night with a hermit crab. You can't kiss him, right? You can't do, they don't give love back. 
they'll probably snap at you. They eat stinky food and crickets and they smell. Well, again, her birthday's in April, right? So it's, it's always around Easter time. And, and she went and checked on her crab that she named Hermie, right? What a creative name. Another H name, right? Hermie the hermit crab. Well, she checked on Hermie on Good Friday. And this is a true story. And she yelled, Dad, you need to come look at Hermie. I think he's dead. So I remember coming in, and sure enough, he had drawn all the way back into his little shell there, and I was tapping on him and poking him and putting water on him and shoving in crickets or whatever I could do. To and he didn't move at all. He was dead. And I thought, I threw out that receipt that got my money back after seven days, right? I thought I want to take back that dead. We've got to bury him, Dad. We've got to bury him. You know, it's Good Friday. We've got to bury him. It was raining. So we went in our backyard and we dug a hole and we buried Hermie and she wanted me to say a prayer. <laughs> pray, Dad. Pray. Okay, so we prayed. and She was crying, like crying the lip quiver. <laughs> and I think I even cried. I felt, you know, bad. Buried him and moved on, right? So uh, at the time we were pastoring in Garden Grove and I remember coming back from Easter Sunday service and my phone was ringing and I answered the phone in the car and my daughter is screaming at the top of her lungs. I'm like, oh my goodness, what happened? What ha I can't understand. What happened? What happened? Dad, yes, talk normal, right? Hermie's alive. He's risen from the dead. I'm like, what are you talking about? I went and dug him up. I'll be home in a little bit, right? If you've never done that as a child, right, most of us kids have, you know, dug up. Oh, maybe not. Maybe that's another time. If you need <laughs> prayer at the end of service, we'll pray for you uh, as well. So she went and dug up Hermie after church on Easter Sunday. He's alive. You could not convince her that he had, that he had di not died, right? That he was playing possum. She was convinced that he had risen from the dead, just like Jesus did. So we put him back in his container. Sure enough, I look at him like, you little faker, right? Had to go through this whole thing. A week later, he died, right? <laughs> and I mean, I mean, he was dangling out, came out of the shell. But I wish I would have found this book uh, that would have probably helped me out. You know those dummy books? <laughs> Hermit crabs for dummies. Probably would have helped me get through Good Friday and to move on. Well... Again, I love telling that story wherever, every Easter, I get the eye roll. Do you need to bury that story? That's the greatest story in the world, right? We have the greatest story in the world, right? The greatest story in the world. There's not a tomb to visit that has a body. Because he rose from the dead. He's resurrected. And I want to just uh, um, pull a couple scriptures out before I get to Luke 23. John 2, 11 and it starts Jesus' ministry with the water to wine. It just says it was the beginning of signs. He would do these signs with the people. The first miracle, he turned the water to wine. It's a great story to read because nobody knew that he did it other than his mother, Mary. In John chapter 2, he's asked about the signs that he does, and he starts dropping hints. And he points at the temple. And he says, destroy this temple, 
And in three days, it will be raised from the dead, right? This temple, they were, they were thrown off by what he said. What do you mean destroy a temple? He wasn't talking about a physical temple to be destroyed. He was talking prophetically about his body. He's already dropping hints in John 2 that he was going to die. But on the third day that he would be resurrected. In fact, if you were to theme Jesus's ministry, it would be about betrayal. It would be about death but it would be about resurrection. And he began to talk about these things all throughout his ministry of three and a half years. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 40, he throws out this word. He said, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Another little hint, another little sign. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 21, he said this, From that time Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed but to be raised on the third day. So he's mentioning, he's giving them these signs. And as we know, they aren't listening. They were probably believing something else. This great ministry that was reaching people, feeding people, healing bodies, teaching to people, uh, was now on the move. They weren't ready yet to think that it would end. But you know, even today in America, do you know people believe crazy things? Do you know that 7% of Americans believe Elvis Presley's still alive? And some say they've seen him working at Burger King. 50% of Americans believe in UFOs, like the alien UFOs. 3.7 million in America say they were abducted by aliens. Right? 7% of Americans don't believe that we actually landed on the moon and that somebody walked on the moon. They believe that that was all done, 7%. A third of Americans believe Bigfoot is real. I believed it until the fifth season and they never found him. <laughs> and there was a guy recently in the news his name was mad mike he was a flat earth researcher i'm not talking about somebody a couple hundred years ago this is in the news he was going to launch a rocket 52 miles out to take pictures of the earth because he believed there was a lie that the earth was round that it was flat so as you know there's a lot of stories out there there's a lot of things that are mentioned but as we look today on April Fool's Day, right? April Fool's Day, this story is not foolish. This story uh, is the truth. You know, there are many times that Jesus' life was spared. Do you know at birth, up until probably two years old, uh, that Herod sent out soldiers to kill all of the children because the wise men had come and they were estimating how old Jesus was. He could have died uh, as a young child, but didn't. The Lord spared him. Even when Satan tempted him and he had not eaten after 40 days and 40 nights. Do you know that if you eat after you haven't eaten anything for 40 days and 40 nights, do you know that you could die? You could physically die if he had turned the, the, the stone to bread. Then the devil told him to go to the top of the pinnacle. They went on top, told him to throw himself off, right? The angels will catch you. But over and over and over again in his ministry, they wanted to throw him off a cliff. They wanted to stone him. 
They wanted to assassinate him. They hated him so much. But Jesus said these words in John chapter 10, verse 18, that I think are so powerful. No one, talking about his life, no one takes it from me. But I, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down. I have the power to take it up again. This command I have received from my Father. Notice what he says. I am the one that's going to lay down this life at the time that I need to lay it down. Do you know when we read about him being crucified on the cross, do you know the Roman soldiers were sent to break the legs of the three that were hanging? And the reason they break the legs is as if you were crucified on the cross, you would push yourself up to get a breath because of the pain. In breaking the legs, you couldn't push yourself up, so you would suffocate that much quicker. When they came to Jesus, he was already dead. He had already said it was finished. There was no way that they could break his legs to ever say, well, we took his life. Right? He said those words, nobody takes my life. And I kind of call this, you know, the first Easter when we look at the people, it almost seems like they were discouraged. They weren't camped out by the tomb. They weren't waiting. Hey, one more sleep, right? You know, people say, one more sleep, and he's going to rise from the dead. Remember, he talked about it. There, there's nobody. All they're concerned with is his body. Could we do something? Where have they taken his body? If you just tell me where they've taken his body so that I could take it. That's all that they were concerned with. But let's go through a little bit of, and this is what I love about this story. Jesus and Easter is all about people and individuals. It's all about people and individuals. So the first one, in John chapter 20, verse 11 and 18, I won't read the whole thing. Mary, who sees Jesus, thinks he's the gardener. Right? And Jesus says to him, Mary. And she says, teacher, right? So I don't know who got the first April Fools. Mary thinking Jesus is the gardener, or is it Jesus, you know, saying, you know, Mary. But Mary, he sees Mary alone. Here's another one for you to know. Mary's the first person to preach the gospel. Because she goes right to the disciples and says, hey, I, I saw Jesus and he's resurrected from the dead. First one to preach the gospel, ladies, is a lady. Right? right? The first one to preach the gospel. She's preaching the gospel. Then you have Thomas, which we refer to as Doubting Thomas. And he says these words. Unless, can you imagine, the, unless I put my finger in his hand, the holes, and unless I stick my hand in the side, I will not believe. Okay, this isn't just some Joe Thomas. This is a disciple. This is an apostle that said, right, unless I physically see it and put, would you go to a hospital visit and go visit somebody and say, you know, I'm not going to believe it until I stick my finger in their wound. That's crazy, isn't it? Would, you would never, you would never say that. But Jesus shows himself to Thomas. You can read that later in John 24 or John 20, 24. He wants the most proof. But in John 20, 29, he says, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. But here's what he says. Blessed are those who haven't seen and yet believe. You know, Thomas didn't want to do the hand and the, and the arm and the side after he saw Jesus. It was proof to him. 
Here's what I love the most. I have my Bible here. 40 authors, 66 books, 1,500 years apart from writing, on three continents in three languages, okay? Tell a story all the way through from Moses writing Genesis to John writing Revelation that there is a Redeemer, a Messiah, and we learn that His name is Jesus. So let me ask you this question. When I was a kid, first or second grade, we played this game called uh, um, Operator. And they had us, probably 25 kids, in a big circle. They put us in a big circle. And the teacher went to the first child and whispered in the child's ear a sentence. And then the next child whispered in the next one and the next one. Some of you guys are like, you played those kind of games, right? All the way around. And then the last kid, the teacher said, stand up and tell us what you heard. The monkey was driving the school bus and we went up to the mountain. And then they have the other lady or the first kid stand up, right? And it had nothing to do with what they heard. Couldn't understand it at all. How could 20 some kids mess up that story? That simple sentence. How could 40 authors, 66 books, 1,500 years apart, right? Three continents, three languages, all have a theme. Well, it's the Holy Spirit theming, theming it out. Do you know police, if you're involved, if there's an accident, if there's a crime, police talk to multiple witnesses because they say, under stress, you don't see what you thought you saw. I saw a guy with a hat. He didn't have a hat. He had a wig. He didn't have a wig. He had glasses on. He didn't have glasses on. He was in a pink suit. You know, they, they try to get all these people because under stress we see different things. That's where God's word comes into play for us of his promises and his story that is spoken to us. All right, last guy that I want to look at here. Luke chapter 23, verse 39. This might be a little odd for a, um, an Easter story, but I want to look at him anyways. Luke chapter 23 Verse 39, because Jesus is all about people. I want to look at the guy on the cross. You know, there's two criminals crucified on Jesus' side. And I want to just read, uh, I want to read this, just these couple verses. Verse 39, and it says this. Then one of the criminals who was hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing that you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly for what we indeed justly for what we received, the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you'll be with me in paradise. One thief blasphemed. You know what it really means? Mocks him. He's already been hearing people come up and they said, Oh yeah, you were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it? Look at you now. Mocking, rebuking him. You know, uh, his clothes that the Roman soldiers were gambling over on who would get. One thief mocking, and then all of a sudden, this other thief says these words. We've sinned. We blew it. We're supposed to be punished. You've done nothing wrong. 
You've done nothing wrong. In fact, if you look up uh, probably what these guys did, it was evil. Uh, in fact, the, the uh, Greek word is evil doers, criminal acts. But it was so criminal that they were crucified for it next to Jesus. And he looks over and he's, we didn't do anything. This man is in right standing. This man is righteous. Here's the other one. He understood that Jesus was king and had a kingdom. He said those words in there. He says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Here's the thief on the cross that understands that there's something special about it. He's not just a prophet. He has a kingdom. He's a king. And now he wants to be a part of that kingdom. In fact, he says those exact words. Remember me when you go to your kingdom. Remember me. Though both of the thieves and Jesus are suffering, only Jesus is showing the mark of a king. The thief has eyes to see that Jesus, though on the cross, has power, has a kingdom, has some authority. And here's what Jesus said to him. On the cross, suffering, the love is still flowing out of him where he says he should say, you know what, I'm in pain, leave me alone. What does he say? Today, you'll be with me in paradise. What love that he has. He didn't ask him what he did. You know, uh, and what did you do to deserve to be crucified up here? Didn't ask him. Today, you're going to be with me. He understood that Jesus was king, or we'd say Lord. He understood that he had a kingdom, and that day, he would be with him. If Jesus died for only perfect people, heaven would be empty. If Jesus could save a criminal, he can save me, right? If he can save a criminal, he can save me. And why would Jesus even lie to us? There's no lying about him. There's no fabricating of stories. There's nothing of him trying to make anything up. In fact, I like where we started with Acts 1-3 to whom he presented himself alive after his sufferings by many infallible proofs, being seen by them for 40 days and speaking of the things that pertain to the kingdom of God. Let, let me mention this before we pray. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, your story does not end on your worst day. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, your story doesn't end on the worst day. It starts. It's new. You ever had a bad day? You ever had a bad week, a bad month, a bad year, right? And you think, you might say things like, could it get any, any worse at all? Even on your worst day, there's a resurrected Lord that has power for you. And this guy understood it and called out. He recognized something different. Many times we forget we have a Lord to call out to. Even on my worst day, my story never ends. It just starts because I have a Lord. Bow your heads, if you would, with me today. Of all the stories in the Bible, the one that we would say we, we hang our hat and our belief and our authority on is that Jesus, our God, our Savior, our King, 
rose from the dead and came to those that he loved to show them the infallible proofs. My prayer today is whatever place in life that you are, would you call out to that Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Regardless of if you've known Him, maybe you've strayed from Him, maybe you're in a difficult season, but He wants all of us to know that regardless of our worst day, we're now connected with Him in that power and that love. Father, we stop today, we bless you on this Easter. We remember all that you have done and will do in our lives. We trust you as our King, our Lord, and our Savior. And if you're here today with every head bowed and every eye closed, and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, you've never said, come into my heart, you've never called those things out, I want us all to pray this prayer out loud. But if you're doing it for the first time, pray it, as Romans says, with all of your heart. Pray this prayer after me, everyone. Ready? Dear God, I believe in Jesus. And I believe that He lived. And that He died. But He rose again. I now accept You as my Lord and my Savior, my King. Thank you for bringing me into your family, for loving me and forgiving me of all my sin. In Jesus' name, amen.